Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. And I want you uh, to, just a minute here, I want you to go ahead and uh, turn to Malachi with me. Malachi chapter 3, and uh, we'll start there this morning. We're going to talk about offerings. We're going to talk about offerings in general, and then we're going to talk about a specific offering that we're going to receive uh, later this month, and I'll explain more as we go on, but we've got to get some chapters and verses, so to speak, under our belts right now and uh, see what the Bible really teaches. Now, we could just say this. Number one, it's God's will to prosper us. Number two, we would say that uh, the tithe is a non-discretionary amount. It's 10%. You can't tithe 12% because there's no such thing. So a tithe is 10%. We found out from Proverbs 3, Leviticus, and a lot of other places in the Bible. I haven't got time to recap. You can buy the CDs or talk to somebody, get somebody who takes good notes. But uh, we're supposed to be tithing on all, all of our increase. And that's important to God. He says that we should do that. And if we'll do that, our barns will be filled with plenty. Our presses burst out with new wine, not talking about alcohol. But he's talking about increase and surplus coming to us. When he says bust out or overflow, however you want to term it. So there would be an abundance as we begin to do that. So let's, we're starting about uh, the offerings. Now, an offering is something different. It's a more discretionary. I could give $5, I could give 50 I could give 500 I could give 5000 I could give 500000 That's my part to determine what kind of offerings I want to give beyond my tithe. Let me say something else to you about tithing. Tithing means that you give the tithe to the storehouse, which is the local church where you're fed, where you're ministered, where your family comes, where you're taken care of, and so forth. If you spend your tithe for other things, then you're not being a proper tither. They were, in the Old Testament, it said, bring the tithe unto the place where I place my name. In the New Covenant, it's the local church that teaches the Bible. That's the storehouse, that there may be meat in his house. He talks about that here. We're going to read it in a minute about the tithe. You don't spend your tithe to send yourself to Bible school. That's not correct. You don't send your tithe to Grandma because she needs a blanket. You buy her a blanket and send it to her, but you don't spend your tithe on that. I don't know why we don't understand first means first. Tithe is first fruits, the best part, the top part. You always, if you're going to be scriptural about it, now you, you know, everybody's at a different level. So if you can't handle what I'm saying, just put it on the side of your jaw and chew it on a little bit till it digests. I've been doing this almost 40 years. I haven't got time to play with it. I'm moving into something beyond where I've ever been. That's my commitment. So a tithe is 10%, but an offering is something beyond the tithe. If you don't tithe to begin with, then I guess you just tip God. Because the tithe is the basic unit that we start when we think about finances. This is what God said. It wasn't my idea. It was His idea. Adam had the freedom to partake of any of the trees of the field, uh, in the garden rather, and, and all everything was under His command. But He said, leave the tree alone. This one right here, this is mine. Don't touch it. Don't fool with it. Don't eat of it. You have no right to it. And that's exactly what Adam did. Can you imagine that? having all that freedom of being the God, I'm talking about Adam, small g, but God of this world. 
Because the New Testament says Satan's the God of this world now. How'd he get it? Well, Adam gave it to him. He had access to everything, but he chose the thing God said, it's not yours, that's mine. And he partook of something that wasn't his, and he got in trouble. The first murder in the Bible was over offerings and tithes. I'm going to show you that in a minute. But God isn't just through about the tithe. Here in Malachi chapter 3, you should read this whole book you know, once a week. It's only four chapters. But here we're going to start in chapter 3, verse 7. Even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from mine ordinances. Now he's going to talk to us what these ordinances are, are tithing and offerings. And you have not kept them. Notice he said, from the days of your fathers. In other words, the fathers were doing it, but they didn't pass it on to their children. I was looking up on the platform today and so grateful that of course, my daughter's right here. She's usually praise and worship leader, and Jordan helps, and he ministers. He's praise and worship leader temporarily right now. And Well, my point is, all these young people up here, Brother Michael on the keyboard, everybody, we'll even include you, Brother Ronnie. <laughs> Teasing you. And, uh, you know, that we're starting to see, we're passing on this baton. I am beginning to pass. Now, I'm not old. I'm not done. Don't. Listen to me. I got a lot more to do. I was telling her about it yesterday, my wife. I got a lot more to do. But we've, we've, been, to, we've been through some things with just being a ch church guy for almost 40 years now. And pastored three churches, youth ministered in two churches. I mean, I know a little bit about how church functions, how it should function, how it doesn't function, and why it doesn't, and all the pitfalls that come with that. And, but I'm seeing a younger generation starting to come up now, starting to get a hold of stuff. And there's, of course, there's much more to be gotten a hold of. But. So he says, from the days of your father, you've, gone, you've went away, you slipped away from things and have not kept them. Verse 7, Malachi 3, 7, return unto me, the second part of the verse, return unto me and I'll return unto you. Now he's not talking about his presence wasn't with them, but in the financial realm, that particular realm of ordinances of tithes and offerings, they had departed you know, I went to a church one time. Hey, this is a true story. You wouldn't believe the silliness in people. I'm talking about preachers. Guy was a policeman down in Texas on the police force. Came to me. that We were in the old building then down on Slate, Slate Run. I think that's right, Slate Run Road. And he came to my building, came to, you know, and talked to me a little bit and said, I'd like you to come preach for me. Where was he at, Amarillo or something? I don't remember. Somewhere in Texas. And he was complaining to me up here why he couldn't go full time. I said, well, do you teach your people about finances? No. I said, well, there's your, there's your reason right there. What's the matter? Are you afraid? Are you chicken? You're a policeman for God's sake. Why don't you grow up spiritually? Do you really say that? I certainly did. As he asked me why it wasn't working, I said, it's your fault why it's not working. You don't even teach them. You don't just teach them to take care of you. You teach them to tithe and give offerings and do whatever. God's given the vision of the house, but they need to take care of you. I mean, he had 100 people. It wasn't like he had 20 people. Even 20 could start something, at least get it moving. But, and, you know, I went to preach for him. He put a bucket in the back on the wall for my offering. A little box with a little slip in it, like a suggestion box. Well, I was gracious with my offering. I took what he gave me, but I said, listen... You asked me this once before, I'm going to tell you again. You're not right as a pastor. You don't even treat me right. You didn't even give people a chance. You didn't say nothing about the offering. 
He didn't even get up and say, we want to bless Pastor Michael for coming to Texas and helping us. And we just happened to be in that, we were in another, we were on a trip, road trip there. I think we preached for the Indians out there for a couple weeks and we came back through Texas. So I didn't charge him any road time, you know, gas or get me there type time. And it wasn't that I was insulted by his offering. I was insulted by the dishonor that went with the way he handled it. Like I'm some kind of, you know, church mouse that doesn't deserve but a crumb. No honor, no integrity. You know I don't treat anybody that speaks here like that. If there are members here and on staff, they, I'm expecting them to speak without being paid for it. They're already paid. And they should consider it an honor to be here, some of the others, until they get their own church or whatever. So you understand what I'm saying. But when I invite somebody to come, I do my best. I just talked to a man last night in Canada. I'm going up there in February. He said, I noticed your airfare was really cheap. I expected you to come first class. I said, well, I've been in the ministry a long time, Pastor. This is my first meeting with you. I got a good flight out of Cincinnati, and I got somebody taking me, going with me. And, you know, I just decided to go economies. No sense. And we checked some of the routes, but this is the easiest for me. Maybe I'll come first class next time. He said, well, I wish you would. I want to take you. I said, you're all right. Everything's great. It's only a couple-hour trip. But see, here's a man with integrity looking at the bill that came for the transportation saying, well, that's not very much money. I thought you'd come first class. You're a first class guy. I said, well, I thank you for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, we're talking about things. And that, that policeman's probably still not pastoring there because he never put any responsibility back on the people uh, for, and I'm not talking just about me. I'm talking about the concept of teaching your people about finances. got to be taught he said if you'll return to me I'll return to you saith the Lord of hosts the Lord of the angels I think in this one little book you know I've studied on angels now for 30 years in this one little book I think angels are mentioned like 23 times that's a lot the only other book I know that has more is Revelation I think they're mentioned 68 times there so the angels are very involved I'm going to save that teaching for tonight but he says uh, where, they said to him, well, wherein shall we return? The last part of verse 7. How are we going to get back into this? He said, verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? So he responds, they're having a conversation. And Malachi, or if you want to call him the Italian prophet, Malachi, he, he's recording it. <laughs> i tell you what I'm going to do. <laughs> He said, you robbed me. Now think about that. You watch, you watch uh, some stuff on TV and the guy goes into 7-Eleven with a ball bat to hurt somebody and get $55. He just robbed them. And here God's telling his people, you've robbed me. And they said, well, how have we robbed you? Acting real innocent. He says, in tithes and offerings. In tithes and. In tithes and. So sometimes offerings are a part of these ordinances that need to be kept. Are you following my drift so far? talking about offerings today but he goes on to say verse 9 you're cursed with a curse those that have robbed me even this whole nation bring all the tithes all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith saith the Lord of hosts if I will not open you the windows of heaven pour you out a blessing and there shall not be room enough to receive it now we know in the New Testament that we have authority to bind and loose I'm not going to go down that trail because I've got a lot more to cover I just wanted you to see that offerings were legitimately an ordinance that God put in the Bible, which is different than a tithe. 
A tithe is what you do first. A tithe is 10%. It never becomes 9. It never becomes 13. It doesn't become 11. A tithe is 10%. That's what a tithe is. When Pastor and I get our paychecks, or my paycheck, or whatever, you know, we're together. It's all the same. Or somebody blesses us with extra money, or I go speak somewhere, and they do something for me. Then she tabulates all that, and we tithe on it. I said, we tithe on it. We, somebody just recently in this church called ahead and told the guy that I was going to shop for, shop, you know, the guy that worked at a store where I bought some suits and said they wanted to buy a suit for me. So she asked me how much was that suit because the other, the other suits we bought, we paid for, we'd already tithed on that money. But this other suit somebody else paid for, so we looked at the cuff of what it said it was, what the price was, or on the receipt, and she tithed on that added that into our ties. All right. So now let's go back to Genesis, all the way back here to Genesis with me. Genesis chapter 4. I want to show you something here. I think you got some time and I got some things to say that's going to help us. What are we talking about? Offerings. This is an f- offering we can call it free will if you want, which simply means nobody twisted your arm, you just freely gave it. Okay, in chapter 4, Genesis, it's just when things are getting off to start. It says, uh, let's just take it up in verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife. In other words, he had relations with her. And she conceived and bore a son, bore Cain, said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. She again bore his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. There's nothing wrong with their professions there. There's nothing wrong with bringing... Uh, you know, some people tried to make this out that, well, Cain didn't bring a, a lamb or whatever. That wasn't the case. You can read Deuteronomy 26 later, and it says you bring the first fruits of all your grain or whatever you have. Don't make it an issue like that because it's not. And in process of time, verse 3, it came to pass that Cain brought of the first of the ground, I'm sorry, of the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. Notice it says an offering. And Abel, he brought of the firstlings of the flock. What does that indicate? A tithe. And of the fat thereof. What does that indicate? An offering. And notice, let's read on here. And uh, let me see where I'm at here. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. You know, if the Lord don't respect you, he's not going to respect what you give. Get this in your thinking here. We're We're not down at the boat. We're not throwing dice. We're not, you know, hit me with another flapjack card. You know, or 21 or whatever people play. I don't, I don't gamble, so I don't know. But I know they do that at the casinos and stuff. Uh, get rich quick scheme. God's not into that. But if he doesn't have respect for you, he's not going to have respect for what you bring. But unto Cain, verse 5, and to his offering, he had not respect. Uh-oh. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to him, why are you mad? Why are you upset? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, notice this, if you'll change your thinking here and change your attitude, thou shalt, not, shalt thou not be accepted. In other words, what you brought would be accepted if you had the right attitude about it. But you've you got a bad attitude, son. And if you do not well, sin lieth at the door. One translation says, croucheth at the door. And unto thee shall his desire be, and thou shalt rule over him. In other words, there's... The devil's going to get involved in this if you don't change your attitude. I'm bringing this out because we can see from Cain and Abel, the two different men, 
that Cain had a bad attitude and he brought an offering. It wasn't just what he brought. It was the fact that he didn't have a good attitude about what he was doing. His brother, on the other hand, brought a first fruits of what he had of his cattle or whatever, a farmer, rancher. And I don't, you know, I was out west one time, called them farmers, and they about rebuked me. We're not farmers around here. We're ranchers. Put those cowboy boots out where I can see them again so I know that. Belt buckles big as a hubcap. You know, we're, we're ranchers. Them and Nashville people that sing. Anyway, moving on. I do my Clint Black impersonation, but I don't want to lose you right now. But anyway, we're seeing here that one brought a tithe and an offering, and he had good attitude about it. And, you know, it got him killed. Now, it won't get you killed. It'll get you blessed. But we even see in the midst of all that Cain went through, and God said, you know, Cain said, you've put too much on me now. I mean, I'm, and God marked him somehow, put a mark on him, a covenant mark, said, you better not fool with this guy. But see, he had to work by the sweat of his brow and, and everything. And it says in verse 16, he went out from the presence of the Lord. Wouldn't it be a shame for people to miss out on all that God had for you because you just wouldn't get your attitude right about your money? Money was never created to serve you. I mean, never created to, to dominate you. It was created to serve you. You serve us. That's what money does. It serves us. I serve you. I don't serve you because I get a paycheck here. I serve you because I love you. And, of course, the leadership's got enough common sense to pay me well, and I appreciate that. But, I mean, it hasn't always been that way in every church. And from the beginning, we've grown into things after many, many years. How many understand that? You know, let me be fair to say there's some preachers, they go to a church of 50 people and want, you know, $100,000 and Medicare and, I mean, a insurance plan and dental plan and eyeglass plan you know, they're just corrupt. Yeah, that's, that's just crazy. You start where you start and you be happy about it and use your faith. Talking to everybody here. If you'll do it God's way, then you'll continue to make progress. Here, this man, he even warned him, said, you know, what are you upset about? Just change your attitude and start doing what you should do and everything will be well with you. Hallelujah. But he didn't do that and it just destroyed his life. I'm telling you, that's a sad commentary. God still loved him in spite of his murder. God still marked him where nobody would kill him. Anyway, that's another story. Let's go to Exodus 35 here. You still with me? We're looking at some places in the Bible where it talks about offerings. That's what we're looking at now and I've got quite a bit to cover yet so hang on to me and pay attention to what I'm saying here. I'm in Exodus 35. This one Moses you know, in the book of Acts, it says that there was a church in the wilderness of whom Moses was the pastor. I think he called him a shepherd, but that's the same word in the Hebrew and Greek. If you're a shepherd, you're a pastor. A pastor's a shepherd. And so in Exodus 35 here, it says, let me, be, let me see my references. It begin in verse 1. And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel, his church, and said unto them, These are the words of the Lord which hath commanded that you should do them. Six days you work, and seventh day there will be a holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever doth work therein shall be put to death. I'm glad we're not under that covenant. But You shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. And Moses spake unto all, and of course this is the reason a lot of people are dying young in our generation. They don't know when to sit down and shut up and be quiet and rest and have some 
meditative time and some R&R time. He'd just work, 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 work. But see, you could work. You, you should work, but you should work in faith, and you should have faith in God. You come to church. This is where you're planting your seed of most importance. Right here. I'm not your banker. I'm not your 401K, and there's nothing wrong with having a banker and a 401 and all the plans that people have, a Roth IRA or whatever. I don't have those things, but you know what I mean. I mean, I have a bank where I bank, but it isn't like I've got anything saved up or anything. I live by faith. Not saying there's wrong with saving, but here's the place where you come learn about how to give to God and how God can take care of you. All right, let me read it. Verse 4, And Moses spake unto all the congregation. How much of them? Of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, He didn't suggest it. He said, This take you from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of willing heart. It's not a mandatory thing. You don't, you don't have to do that. I'm comparing that with Malachi now. He said it's an ordinance. But here in this particular case, they're going to build a building and take care of the furnishings and things like that. And he said, You take an offering unto me, whoever serves a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and so forth and all these different things he lists here. And then I'm going to drop down to verse 21. It says, And they came everyone whose the hearts the Lord stirred them up and everyone whom his spirit made willing. Notice that, his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments and they came both men and women as many as were willing hearted I think he's trying to get something over to us this isn't a strong arm thing and they brought bracelets and earrings and rings and, and tablets all jewels of gold and every man that offered offered an offering of gold unto the Lord and so forth and then let's go down to verse 29 and the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses, the leader, of course. So this was an indication they were taking these offerings to help take care of the tabernacle, or we would say the house of worship, by, by inference. Go to chapter 36, and let's look over here a minute, starting at verse 1. Then wrought Basileel and... Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Basileel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him to come up to do the work, to, to work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering they were paid for their, what they did at the house of God. Uh, talking about this is construction and all that. Of the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it with all or to make it complete. And they brought yet unto him freewill offerings every morning. Now in that day people were bringing offerings every morning up to Moses and the leaders to take care of this. And all the wise men, verse 4, that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. They spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough. I believe we're, come, we're going to come into that. For the service of the Lord, which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work uh, for the offering of the sanctuary, for the people were restrained from bringing. For the stuff they had 
was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. <laughs> hey, may it be said of us. <laughs> We're believing. I'm teaching you how to believe. We're going to believe that this year there'll be plenty of reserve finances come to us that we need to take care of everything. Hallelujah. Now, let's also go over here. So when, when it comes to the house of the Lord, things that are needed here, offerings should take care of that. You know, this last year we had different things go out, different things we needed, even just recently a hot water heater and da-da-da-da-da. You know, just whatever you obtain, you have to maintain. And so sometimes we have to put stuff on a card because we didn't have the cash to do that. How many could understand that? Because I'm not going to put your kids back in a room that's freezing or I'm not going to, you know, or where they can't have uh, coolant and different, you know, we want to take care of everybody in the whole house because I'm a good leader. Thank you. Now let's go to 2 Kings chapter 12 a minute. I want to show you something. I'm going somewhere with this. We're talking about offerings. They could come for different reasons at different times. I think last year, I think it was last year, Help me, Donna, if it wasn't, but I think it was. We took a special offering. We, we figured up what we needed for the ladies' meeting, and then we figured up what we needed for Dr. Dufresne and Pastor Nancy to come back later, and we took up in that one offering enough, ended up we had enough for both meetings, just from a free will offering that came from you. And we're going to have a meeting in October for two weeks with Dr. Dufresne. And I'll talk to you later about that. I don't want you to do anything about that today. I'll talk to you later. But right now I'm working on something. And I wanted you to see this, though. I'm in 2 Kings chapter 12, starting verse 1. In the seventh year of Jehu, uh, Jehoash began to reign. In 40 years he reigned in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibaah of Beersheba. And uh, Jehoash did that which was right. I want you to notice when it says they did right. In the sight of the Lord all his days, wherein Jehoiada the priest Instructed him. Now, here's the key. The reason he did right is he had a priest, somebody elderly, older person to mentor him and bring him into truth. So he did right. See? Uh, and then let's see here. But the high places were not taken away. Uh-oh. And the people still sacrificed and burned incense in the high places. And Jehoash said to the priest, All the money of the dedicated things that is brought into the house of the Lord, even the money to everyone that passeth the account, the money that every man is set at, and all the money that comes into any man's heart to bring it into the house of the Lord. Let the priest take it to them, every man of his acquaintance, and let them repair the breaches of the house. In other words, things that have fell apart, things that weren't able to function anymore. And you know, we've got, I asked my staff to put together a list of stuff that needed replaced or upgraded or whatever in the next few years. I don't know if we can do it all in a year. We had four pages, if I remember right. And of course, some of these air conditioning units and heaters are new to this part of the building anyway, and different things that were put in when we made the extension. But other things have been here since 93. That's almost 20 years. And some things wear out, and some things have to be repaired, and some things just have to be replaced. Hallelujah. But it says this, this was, uh, they were taking up some money to repair places in the house whatsoever, wheresoever, verse 5, any breach shall be found or something that had to be fixed. And it was so that in the 3 and 20th year of King Jehoash, the priest had not repaired the breaches of the house. Then King Jehoash called for Jehoiada the priest, this guy that was mentoring him and overseeing things, helping him grow up as a younger king. 
and, and, and the other priest and said unto them, Why repaired you not the breaches of the house? Now therefore receive no more money of your acquaintance, but deliver it for the breaches of the house. And the priest consented to receive no more money of the people, neither to repair the breaches of the house. But Jehoiada the priest took a chest, this is a big chest he had, and bored a hole in the lid of it and set it beside the altar on the right side as one cometh out of the house of the Lord. And the priest that kept the door therein put therein all the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. In other words, he finally came to a place where he said, we're going to have to hold back on some other things, but we're going to take some offering here and let people give into this offering. How many understand? To do some work. Now, what we've done is we've, we've had to put some stuff on some cards, so we've got some indebtedness on some cards because of just regular church stuff. I didn't take a trip to Tampa, take the staff, staff and we all got in the whirlpool, and we all went to the sauna, and we went to the beach, went whaling, looked at the dolphins, and ate ice cream at the pier. We didn't do any of that. I just want to make myself clear here. This is just legitimate, normal church stuff. Hallelujah. And verse 10 says, And it was so that when they saw there was much money in the chest that the king scribe and the high priest came up, somebody that accounted for it, the king scribe, and they put it in bags and told the money that was found in the house of the Lord, and they gave the money, being told, verse 11, into the hands of them that did the work and that had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they laid it out to the carpenters and the builders and that wrought upon the house of the Lord and to masons and hewers of stone and to buy timber and huge stones to repair and the breaches of the house of the Lord and for all that was laid out for the house to repair it. So we see in this king's life, he made a provision of an offering to come in above the tithe to take care of repairs. How many are really listening here? Now let's go to Second Chronicles. Uh, there's a lot more I could say. I've just got a couple more passages. Oh, Second Chronicles 31. I wanted you to see how they operated. Now we're in the New Covenant, but there's still some patterns we could look at that are legitimate to look at. And this is Second Chronicles chapter 31. And I'm going to begin in verse 4. Let me find my reference here. Yeah, Second Chronicles 31. I'm going to, now this is another king that was an excellent king. If I remember right, I, uh, it might have been Hezekiah. But anyway, we're going to look at this in depth for just a minute here. Because you remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt? It says they came out with the silver and the gold. And there was not one feeble one among them. And why did they bring out the silver and the gold? Did you ever think about that? When they built the tabernacle that we read about in Exodus, that's what they used that for. And they had so much that they had more than enough for the house of the Lord because remember Moses had to say, stop. Don't bring any more for a season. Wouldn't to God be in my lifetime I could say that, Father. Now, we're in another passage here, Second Chronicles 31. We'll begin in verse 4. Moreover, this king here, Hezekiah, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion to the priest. Now, notice this. It's always listed in here somewhere when you have a king that is a reformer. You know what a reformer is? He does things different than the last jerk that messed it all up. And, and you know, some of these kings, they had, they had, the, you know, they had the zodiac signs down at the temple. They had all kinds of weird idols in there that they worshipped other than God. No wonder they were cursed. No wonder they couldn't get anything done. 
You get a guy like Josiah and he just tears the whole thing down. He, I mean, he, he removes every image out of the land. Man, I mean, he's a, he's a rugged reformer. And Hezekiah was a reformer too. And these, these priests that did right in the sight of the Lord, you always want to look at what they did. So there's a pattern for us to see today. If you do it right, God blesses you. If you do it right, God ordained that. It's, it's an automatic thing if you'll just do it right and have the right attitude. I don't feel anybody grating on me, but if you're starting to grate, you might as well shove it down or shove it out because I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to help you. I'm going to ask you to do something in just a minute if you're willing to help me for the future. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's see here. Verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion to the priests. So the priesthood and the ministry had to be taken care of first. And the Levites, that's who he's talking about. The Levites would be comparative to the fivefold ministry, in my opinion, and so forth, and the high priest, you know, and different things like that, that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. Hey, praise God. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn and wine and oil, okay. That's uh, talking about a tithe there and honey and of, the, uh, and of all the increase of the field and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. And it was evident God was blessing them. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwelt in the cities of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of the oxen, the sheep, the tithe of the holy things which were consecrated unto the Lord their God and laid them by heaps. I mean, they had so much they just stockpiled it. You know, back in Solomon's day, he had a dump of silver I mean that just staggers your imagination it should and Jesus said a greater than Solomon is here hey he's still high priest Jesus is over this church you know what I mean the great high priest over the new covenant <laughs> hallelujah let me get on with this here and said uh, they were consecrated unto the Lord their God and laid them by heaps in the third month they began to lay the foundation of the heaps and finished them in the seventh month so that's four months they, they took up stuff and when Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. They blessed God. How many would like to thank God for what you have? Lift your hands up a minute. Father, we thank you for what we do have already. We thank you for how you've blessed us already. Everybody here's got some clothes on, got shoes on. Hallelujah. They came in a car, came with somebody that had a car. Hallelujah. This probably got a heater in it and probably got other stuff. And we're grateful we got a home to go home to, an apartment, a trailer, something. And we're all going to go eat lunch somewhere at some form or fashion, whether it's a bologna sandwich or a T-bone steak. And we're grateful for what you've done in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And it says they, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah, verse 9, questioned with the priests and Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, chief priest of the house of Zadok, this was a dedicated man, a very holy man of God, Azariah, from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring in the offerings, here it is now, the offerings, into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have left plenty, for the Lord has blessed his people, and that which is left is this great store. Notice this. Then Hezekiah commanded to prepare chambers in the house of the Lord, and they prepared them and brought in the offerings and the tithes and the dedicated things, three different things here, faithfully, over which Conaniah the Levite was ruler. He must have been a great trusted man. And Shimei, his brother, was the next. In other words, they put somebody they trusted over that. 
They brought the tithe, they brought offering, and they brought dedicated things. Boy, this is expanding on us now. Maybe you didn't see that before. And then, you know, it says all this down through here, but let's pick it up in verse 20 and 21. And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah and wrought that which was, say it, good and right. Hallelujah. And truth before the Lord his God and in every work which he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. Man, I read that and I just wept this week. What a, what a godly man. He did, it, he did good, he did right, he did it in truth according to the, and everything he put his hand to and heart to, he did it with all of his might and God made him to prosper because of it. You think about that. You think about that. We're getting a little further in this in just a minute. Now let's go back to 1 Chronicles 29. I'm just about done. I'm going to make some statements here in a minute. You learning anything? Somebody said, well, I already tithe and I help you in the aviation and I do this and I do that and I'm not going to compare with you. Maybe you do. Maybe you do do that. But the Bible teaches that there's always a chance to get over and over and above. Now, it's evident if you don't have nothing to help me that I'm going to tell you about in just a minute, then you can't help me. Now, don't, no pressure from me if you can't help me or you don't want to help me. That's fine too. No pressure from me. I just want to make that clear to everybody. But you can if you like, and I'm going to talk to you about it in just a minute. But I want you to see in the Bible, there's a lot of things that said that they brought the tithe, the offering, and dedicated things. Some other things that weren't a tithe or an offering, they, they were an offering in one sense and they weren't the tithe, but evidently it was another compartment of dedicated things. Hallelujah. How many are listening? I dedicate my cars to God. I dedicated my airplane to God. Now another great man of God has it. We kept it in the ministry because it was dedicated to God. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Johnny, he dedicated his airplane. And sometimes his, of course, his airplane's a lot bigger than the one I had and seats a lot more people and it's a lot faster and, uh, than mine. And sometimes Dr. Dufresne uses that because both these planes are dedicated to the things of God. I wish I'd get an amen out of that. Okay, I'm in, I'm in 1 Chronicles 29. Look at verse 1 and 2. Furthermore, David the king. How many know David? Now people want to say, well, yeah, he committed adultery and he committed murder. Yeah, but it says he did everything except that and he had the heart of God. So let's don't be too critical. You probably messed up a few times too. Hopefully not murder and adultery. Because sometimes when you get into those kind of things... Like adultery, you bury your children over it. Just want to let a little side note there. Before you're thinking about it, you better think again. At least you bury your children because you did it. There's a lot more involved here than just you and your flesh. Hallelujah. You need a wife, you need a husband, take cold showers until you get one. But don't be fooling around. That'll, and that'll strip you of all your wealth. Proverbs 4, 5, and 6, those chapters teach you that, that, that people who fool around with other people who aren't their mates, it's going to take all their wealth that they've labored for away from them. I'm just helping you here. Where'd you get that? I, it's in the Bible, in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 chapters. You can study it out yourself. Now, it says David here, Furthermore, David the king said unto all, how many? 
all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Do you know that God always expected his churches and the communities to be the best looking? Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's amazing to me how he, God's attitude towards the house of God has always been that it be premier, that it be top notch, that it be top shelf, that it be top everything. Hallelujah. People go by and they go, well, I don't like those people, but they sure got a sharp building. Praise God. That's all right. Let it be said we got a sharp building. We're doing something right. Hallelujah. Because this is not for man, but for God. This is, for, this is a spiritual thing here. It's a natural building, but it's set here on this hill for spiritual reproduction of things that we're teaching and helping you to see. Now look at verse 2. Now I have prepared, this David speaking, by the Spirit of God, I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. Now notice that with all of his might, he's prepared for the house of God. You know, that ought to be in our heart too. Praise God, I get to come down here, I get to tithe, I get to give offerings. I'm just so thrilled to be a part of this church. That's how I feel. I'm not bragging on something when I say I emptied out two or three or four accounts or gave extra couple several thousand dollars maybe in a period of time to help and I think the last meeting I took care of by myself to have pastor so and so come I had points I put him up in the Marriott and I had I paid for any airfare and stuff out of my account and didn't even charge the church isn't that right or whatever you gave an offering went to him but I took care of all the expenses hallelujah you know you can volunteer to take care of a meeting anytime you like you know, I'm going to have Pastor Keith come in a little bit, put him in a hotel and take him to eat and do some things with him. I'm not asking you to help me. I'm just talking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, I prepared with all my might for the house of my God. Didn't say anything about a car lot or anything, did it? The gold for things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and brass for things of brass, and iron, and wood, and stones, and onyx stones, glistening stones of different colors, and all manner of precious stones, and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, verse 3, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I prepared for the holy house. What does that mean? It means he had, he had it set out, you know, I'm, I'm doing this with all my heart, so I'm going to give my tithe and we'll give an offering. But then God moved on him. He said, i got to go over and above that. Come on. Now, so if you're not even tithing, I'm probably pushing you off the cliff. Just turn loose and drop on down, baby, because you're falling off. Moreover, over and above. Over and above. Over and above. See, we're talking these, these different scriptures I'm reading you go back and research all that like I've just taught you I've taught you what I know and we don't have time to just get down in it too deeply but you're beginning to see there's a lot of great men of God in the Bible that had tithes offerings and here's David he'd already prepared the gold the silver I mean all, all these things he says in abundance and then God moved on him again and he said I'm going to do something over and above what I'm planning to do yeah. hallelujah and it was all because of God's, his love for God's house and what God was going to do. Let me see where I'm at here. Look at uh, verse uh, 9 and following. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. 
And David the king rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great, oh, praise God, and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what is your people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For of all things come of you, and of your own we have given thee. For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners, as were all of our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there's none abiding. You know, you don't see a tractor, you don't see a U-Haul truck behind a hearse, do you? O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee a house for thy holy name comes of your hand, and is all thine own anyway. I'm adding anyway on that. I know also, my God, that you triest the hearts and you have pleasure in uprightness. See, so you've got to live right. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now I've seen with joy your people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto you. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, or Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of your people and prepare their heart unto thee now he gets spiritual here at the end about all of this giving and stuff is that God's people would be prepared to take us to another level I think that's interesting here see you know sometimes we well that's just natural but this is spiritual really if you think about it everything is spiritual in what we're talking about so this is what we want to do I want to explain to you what I'm going to do we have about $25,000 on a credit card Maybe two credit cards combined, plus what we know what's coming up. Now, now that fluctuates. You understand that a little bit? But we have that in debt right now. Now, we've been knocking it down. It was almost up to 40 at one time, that particular card. And we've been knocking it down this last year when we could. It hadn't been easy. I thank God for Donna and her accounting and Arlene. And, you know, they handle all the accounting here. I don't. I just believe it to come in. And I want to explain. I know it's after one, but can you give me another few minutes so I can explain this intelligently to you? Okay, we had this situation where these cards, and we've been knocking a lot of them out. Some of them have already been paid off. But we have this about 25000 indebtedness on a couple cards, mainly on the one card. But anyway, so I'm going to ask you to help me. And... Uh, one of my friends, Pastor Eberly, I was at a meeting last year. I wasn't even thinking about this card or nothing else. I was just at a dinner with him in the back room. I think Pastor might have been there, and he started talking to me about he took up a silver and gold offering, precious gems offering, to sell that and to have the money for that or to bring the gems and have somebody take it to a jeweler and, and redeem that for cash so they could do something. And you know, when I got away from that, I said, Father, please don't ask me to do that. I'm serious. I, I had a bad attitude about it. Not that he did it, but I just was hoping God wouldn't deal with me about doing it. You know what he did? He got quiet on me. God got quiet. You know when he gets quiet, I know I'm in trouble. He said, I want you to do that. I said, I don't want to do that. I just, you know, I didn't mean to sound smart, Ellie, but I said, well, you know, I really don't want to do it. He said, I know, but if you do it, it'll be as I say. He said that to me, and it'll all be okay. I said, okay, I'll, I'll obey you. 
And I got, I, got, I got ready to do it real quick when he said, you know, you need to do it. So what I'm asking you to do, this is it. Silver and gold and precious gems. If you have anything like that and you want to bless the church with it, and Brother Barry, Barry, Barry Gottschalk, raise your hand. Where's Jerry Daly? Is he here? Raise your hand right here. These two men, I've asked them to oversee this. So, if, you know, if you have any questions after I'm done and they can help you and they have some jewelers listed that they've already talked to. Now, here's the thing. If you'd like to give in this special offering, please take an envelope from the table in the back. I see them back there. This is for cash offering. This one here, and it's got a, in red, it's got special offering. And we have two sizes here, and we have the verses in 1 Chronicles 29 listed. I prepared with all my might for the house of God gold and silver and precious stones. And the bigger one, if you have more stuff that you would want, put a bigger envelope. And what I want you to do, I'm reading this off here. If you want a receipt for the items you donate, then we're going to ask you to take them to the jeweler and get your own, uh, what do you call it, appraisal from the jeweler. And you could either sell it and give us the cash, or you could keep the appraisal sheet and give us the, the items, and I'll have them take it. They're going to take it to a jeweler. They've already talked to a couple in the city, one in Louisville and one over here. And uh, you could eat, if you, But if you want it for a tax deduction, you're going to have to get your own appraisal. And your appraisal may cost you a little bit. You understand that. We're going to ask you to pay for that if you really want it. How many are listening? And I would say to all of you, don't be offended if they don't want to give you as much as you think it's worth. But gold is at a premium now and silver is at a premium now. And I'm asking you to do this if you want. And cash is always acceptable or a check. But I want it in these envelopes on the 29th of January. We're going to take this special offering up. These two men that I trust, Brother Barry Godchalk and Brother Jerry Daly, I talked to them probably four, five, six months ago. Would they help me so that they would be in charge of handling things and taking care of things? If you want an appraisal, you have to get it yourself. Okay, uh, so let me see here. Let's see, and you will receive, okay, da 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 da. If you want to make a cash donation into this special offering, you can take one of these offer envelopes, mark special offering, and return it by the 29th, or, or that's the morning I'm going to take it. When I get back from doctors, I'm going to take the special offering. These gentlemen will take and put it in a safe place and then take it for, to cash it in for whatever we can get for it. Everybody with me? Listen, seriously, there's no pressure from me. I'm going to say nothing's off limits from my side of it. You may feel like you got some stuff you just don't want to get rid of. That's fine. I'm not asking you to do that. If you don't have it in your heart to do that for us, then don't do it. Or maybe you don't have any good jewelry or anything like that. Then I'm going to ask you to give a cash donation if you can or a check. And I'm going to do something too. I'm going to do something myself, maybe both. I think Pastor said she had some things she wanted to donate, and we'll probably give some money, me and her together, you know, to help. And we need $25,000. That's what we're, that's our goal for that. Now, there'll be special offerings again later in the year for other things perhaps. I don't know. I'm not trying to gig you for anything. I'm just trying to say, hey, listen, I'm in charge. My name's on the bottom line. I'm not going to let the house fall down. Amen. And when things that are important to not only, not me, you know, I mean, your children are back there. My grandchildren are back there in the back. Different things happen. We try to take care of it as we can. And we're just like you. We're a bigger family than you. Than just your unit or just my unit. But together I believe we can do it. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.